rocking around the Christmas tree. Have a holy, jolly Christmas. It's the most wonderful time. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle Tired of an endless loop of pop Christmas music? Coming December 24th, sacred music for the Christmas season. LutheranPublicRadio.org Serenity Stability Solemnity Lutheran Public Radio, sacred music for the Christmas season. Coming Christmas Eve at LutheranPublicRadio.org LGBTQ advocates insist that when it comes to homosexuality, it cannot be changed. When it comes to someone else wanting to change their gender, it can be changed as often as one changes your clothes. But when it comes to homosexuality, it's an immutable trait and cannot be changed. Is that true? Welcome back to Issues Etc. Joining us to talk about coming out of homosexuality, Pastor Brian Barlow. He's a former homosexual. He's pastor of Resurrection Lutheran Church in Quartzville, California. He has invested more than 20 years in ministry to those who struggle with relational and sexual brokenness. Brian, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Tell us about your former life in homosexuality. Well, I grew up in the Midwest, and I went to a Christian university, and I graduated with faith and a family that I really wanted to honor. But as I grew up, there were some things that really impacted my life as a young child that disoriented me in my gender identity. I was on a farm in Illinois, and one of four boys in our family, and they were very much farm kids, and I was tender, artistic, and often would just get teased mercilessly when I was growing up. And that was kind of just buried in me, And when I graduated from this Midwest Christian University, I found that I grew up intellectually, I found that I grew up physically, but emotionally, I really did not have the pillars to handle life on life's terms. And so I started to have all kinds of insecurities about my sexuality and my person. And so I sought out what I thought was a Christian counselor at a well-known Christian university in the north side of Chicago, and I went there to meet with this gentleman. And we met for about four months. And it was the first time I actually got to just share some of my fears, some of my concerns. I wasn't looking for someone to validate any disoriented emotions or feelings toward the same gender. I was actually looking for someone who would unpack for me some of those ungodly beliefs that I had and look at me and help me understand that the tension that I was feeling was because God didn't design me that way. But instead, after four months of you know just sharing my heart, and it was somewhat encouraging, he leans into me, and he says to me, he says, you know, maybe for you, you should go to the gay bars in Chicago. That might be how God created you. 
And in that moment, my faith just hit a wall. I thought, what did I misunderstand? And what, at 21 years of age, could I do to even reconcile what was just given to me as, in my perspective, Christian counsel? So stepping out into that world, into Chicago at 21 years of age, you can imagine the trauma and the pain that I experienced and really trying to reconcile that in my own mind, both in person and in my Christianity, was very difficult. But fortunately, God loved me so much, He didn't leave me where He found me. And He led me to a ministry at a local church, oddly enough, near where I met with that counselor, that had a group that would walk through biblical counsel in large group, as well as teaching, and gave me language for the very first time on some of those doctrinal issues and those theological things that helped me understand where my sense of my person got disintegrated and some of the lies that I was believing. And you fast forward that many years as I walked out of that experience, carrying a lot of the the shame and the the burden of having lived in that culture for some time. Because once you open up that floodgate of sexuality and a young person, it can be merciless. And that um, I carried with me. I kind of had in my mind that as God continued to work His grace and mercy in my life, that this is going to be as good as it gets. I'm just going to struggle with this. I'm just going to have to surrender it, live a celibate life, but nobody uh, you know, in terms of marriage and family, whatever, truly want to deal with that. And so I buried those desires, those God-given desires for family and wholeness beyond what I had experienced and just really looked at it through the lens of my own, you know, experience in life and deficits. But God did the impossible. And he brought me to a little Lutheran church, Missouri Synod in Palm Springs, California, of all places where 65% of the population self-identify as homosexual. Their bragging rights today is that the entire city government is LGBTQ. It could not be a more hostile environment to the gospel of transformation. So I found myself there sharing my story and the pastoral staff were embracing and they really, truly um, had a pure gospel. They weren't affirming it. They weren't telling people that there's an alternative way to live for Christ. And they believed that what God had done in my life to that point needed to be supported and encouraged. And so we had a small group there that we would lead. And during those four to six years, I started a Christian art gallery. They supported that. That really invested in my life. There were others in the church that were watching this growth, this spiritual growth in my life, one of which was a secretary. And to really shorten the story, because I know our time is brief, we met and married in 2012, and we just celebrated the birth of our fourth son. So I know that when God does what he intends to do, in a life submitted to the cross. He crucifies the flesh. He reconciles us fully to him, and he makes us new. And so every day I wake up and I hold yet another son 
I am experiencing the mercy and grace of God that he does not leave us where he found us. What insight did you gain on compassion versus love? You know, this is such a significant understanding that we have to have as believers today, because there is a movement that has, I believe personally, has so impacted the church and how we do ministry that is contaminated the gospel of Christ. Compassion has this sense about it that we, in our own experience and life engagement, know a little bit better how we can love someone. And the problem with that is that when we start to step outside of some of the principles in Scripture that tell us that to live a life as Christ had lived, we walk in the same steps that he did. His life, his death, his resurrection, and love is not synonymous with agreement. Compassion sometimes takes on this kind of composture that we can affirm and agree because that's somehow making it a little easier to stay connected with a person who is struggling with a really disintegrating sin. And homosexuality and sexual brokenness truly disintegrates the humanity that God intended for us. Many years ago, I went to a conference with a lot of Lutheran pastors in Texas. At that conference, there's an Anglican priest that got up and he shared about this ministry that he had in Canada. But as its opener, he had led with this comment. He said, some of you are going to be surprised that there's going to be homosexuals in heaven. There was an eruption in the crowd and people clapped and it was almost as if the group received this comment as this compassionate, merciful comment that God loves everybody. And what was so divisive in that comment, having sat there and come out of that lifestyle, is it gave the impression that there is something that you can take from an old life into a new life, almost like putting new wine into old wineskins. And I, I met with him afterwards, and I said to him, I said, thank you for sharing your ministry. It was really interesting to me. But you said something in the opening of your presentation that I'm curious, where did you get it? You said that they were going to be surprised there were homosexuals in heaven. He looked at me and he says, well, I'm the blah, 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 all over all of Canada, and we ordain homosexual priests. And I said, well, I came out of that background, out of that grave where my former life and the stench of that death bound me in rags. And when God called me out and showed me that he was not going to leave me where he found me, he removed all of those grave clothes. He unbound me and he clothed me to be prepared for the marriage feast of the Lamb. And I would never wear my grave clothes into that feast. Well, that was a real conversation killer. So he looked at his watch and said, you got to get back to worship. <laughs> but what I find as I talk with pastors and family is that they're pressed to minimize the real drowning of an old life. They're minimizing our core belief that 
you have an opportunity to die and to an old life and be resurrected now and not yet. There's a process, but we return to that every day in humility to the crucified one who understands what it's like to leave a life of brokenness and disorder behind. We're talking with Pastor Brian Barlow about his journey out of homosexuality. When we come back, what does he make of the gay Christianity movement? How can conspiracy theories become a form of idolatry? I've written a column for the latest issues, etc., a journal titled, Yes, Elvis is Dead, But God is in His Heaven, a pastoral response to conspiracy theories. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Julie Stegemeyer writes about her path from Methodism to Lutheranism. The free online issues, etc., journal, issuesetc.org. Where is God's mission? God's mission is everywhere. Yes, it's far away, but it's also very near. It's as near as your congregation in school, your neighborhood, your family and friends, even as near as your home. Wherever you are, God's mission is in that place. Through his mission, Christ is bringing forgiveness, life, and salvation to people everywhere, even here, right where you are. God's mission here. Learn more at lcms.org slash national mission. Teaching your student to read should not be complicated. Memoria Press's Phonics uses common sense and the classical approach with their First Start Reading program for the most effective and efficient way to teach your child how to read. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Our children are always a blessing to us, but not only are we blessed by them, but we have opportunities to bless them as well. Pastor Christopher Nuttleman, in the December issue of The Lutheran Witness, takes up the topic of blessing your children, how to bless them in your home, with the Word of God and prayer. To learn more, pick up your copy of the December issue of The Lutheran Witness. Visit cph.org witness to subscribe or visit witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective where doctrine is life. You're listening to Issues Etc. This is Pastor Matthew Harrison, President of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The LCMS operates the second largest parochial school system in the United States. What can you expect from a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school? There's one race, the human race. And Jesus died for the sins of every man, woman, and child from every land and every nation. Life begins at conception. All life is precious from womb to tomb. And every student, parent, and teacher is created in the very image of God. There's right and wrong, and we know which is which from the Ten Commandments. There are only two sexes, male and female, he created them. Marriage is the lifelong union of one man and one woman. There's such a thing as objective, absolute truth, and it's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ and his word. To find a Lutheran Church Missouri Synod school near you, visit lcms.org/schools.
Lutheran Church Missouri Synod chaplains deliver word and sacrament ministry to our military personnel and their families. Learn how you can support their work at lcms.org slash armed forces. Serving those who serve LCMS ministry to the armed forces, lcms.org slash armed forces. We're talking about Pastor Brian Barlow's journey out of homosexuality. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Pastor Barlow, what do you make of the term gay Christianity? Well, this has been probably one of those heart things for me ever since that person who considered themselves to be a Christian counselor gave me that ill advice so many years ago. There is no consolation prize to a baptized believer in Christ. There's no grave clothes that you get to to wear, and there's nothing that in that would give you life. All it would do is distort life. And when we are unclear with what the scriptures teach on a biblical anthropology of male and female, then we can send a really confusing message to this culture. And when the Lord draws a person to him, nobody comes to the Father except for he who draws him. And when that Holy Spirit interrupts a disordered life and he calls them home, if the church has leaned into a narrative that nobody really changes It's not really that bad. It's not really that dark. Then they make space for death to walk alongside of freedom and life. And when that person is called out of that darkness and they start to be just captivated by the love of a God who will transform and change their life in their baptism— and in the days to come, they won't recognize home if the church adapts to a dying and decaying world. If we believe that gay can be married with Christ, a disordered anthropology with the purity of wholeness, then when those people, and myself included, walk out of that disordered life, that half-life, that disintegrated humanity, we walk in, we won't recognize the kingdom of God. So we'll move on. And gay Christianity has done that. It has truly sent a message. And to give a good example, there was a couple that came to the ministry that I had led many years ago at the Lutheran Church. And while they were there, they were older men. They'd been in a relationship together with 16 years. And the one had started attending the group. In his attending, he had remarked that his partner would never cross the threshold of this hate-filled church. And we just, you know, we didn't react, but just continued to share the gospel. And we had a, um, a teaching series we went through. Within the year, his partner started to come and attend this group. And it was months into it where they both came to the realization that this, the way that they were living, was not God's design for their life. They surrendered their life to Christ. They went to a trip to Israel that the church had planned that year. And in December of that year, they got baptized in the Jordan. And to this day, they live a pure and whole enough life in Christ by submitting their life to Christ 
and it's such a wonderful thing. There was a really unfortunate thing, though, that happened. And the pastor had retired and left. The church kind of went through a transition and were questioning with all of the influences of culture and how you do ministry and how do you reach out to the sexually broken, how that looked. They truly, I believe, wanted to love them to life. The error they made is they started to adopt the narrative that you really don't change. And in doing that message of ministry, if you imply to anybody that the life that they're currently in is not God's plan for them, it's abusive and it's harsh. And in the state of California, as you know, there's been a tremendous amount of political posturing against the church's message that God has a new life for you. And on this particular Sunday, without a called pastor, the church uh, had a group of gay-identified men there. And on that particular Sunday, where this other couple had been set free, they had kind of a hard day. They were struggling a little bit in some of their emotions and feelings. And sometimes that happens in our lives. We have the tendency to look back over our shoulder. And that's why the Lord makes it really clear, don't look back, but keep your eyes on Him. But in that particular moment, a gay couple holding hands walked to the communion rail. And all of a sudden, this church that had been so clear in their gospel, in their the mission of Christ to save and set free, became confusing to them. And all of a sudden, they thought, wow, this, this isn't what we know of the Lord. And it became unsafe. Unfortunately, they left during that transition time. The good news is, God didn't leave that community the way he found them. And they were able to call a pastor who put their feet back on solid ground, gave clarity to that, gave form, because it is the Lord that gives us form and he gives us function. If we look to the world to give us that form and function, we're going to end up with false doctrines like gay Christianity. Coming out of homosexuality is our topic. Pastor Brian Barlow is our guest. I'm Todd Wilkin. You're connected to Issues Etc. Folks, if you plan on attending the National March for Life January 18th next year in Washington, D.C., find out how to connect with other pro-life Lutherans at lutheransforlife.org. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. Lutheransforlife.org. After the break, what does Pastor Barlow think about banning reparative therapy for homosexuals? If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2023, please make a year-end gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, and a new recording of 15 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2023.
What makes Christ Our Savior Lutheran Church in Freeburg, Illinois so special? Our new members talk about the family atmosphere, the welcoming people, and the outstanding music. But most importantly, you'll be confronted with your sin and comforted with the assurance that Jesus has removed that sin so that you can live each day as his baptized and forgiven child. Christ Our Savior Lutheran Church is at 612 North State Street in Freeburg, Illinois. Sunday worship is at 9 a.m., Sunday school and Bible classes at 1020 a.m. Call 618-539-5664. Lutheranism in the Public Square. You're listening to Issues Etc. The Substitute Organist Service, aptly abbreviated SOS, really has come to our rescue. Pastor Jim Holowatch of Christ Lutheran Church in Jackson, Mississippi. With the ever-growing shortage of skilled musicians in our community, we were approaching a real crisis. But thanks to the Substitute Organist Service, help is always just minutes away. With its easy, intuitive interface, friendly customer service, and outstanding musicianship, you really couldn't ask for more. You can find out more about the Substitute Organist Service at churchmusicsolutions.com. Do you dread going to work out? Performance Fitness in Edwardsville offers a fun, supportive, tight-knit community and environment. Visit them on the web at performancefitness618.com or call 618-692-5063. Performance Fitness is the facility in the St. Louis Metro East where the focus is on member results, not membership numbers. 618-692-5063 or performancefitness618.com. Performance Fitness of Edwardsville. Lutheran Talk. The cause of our salvation doesn't lie within us, but instead it lies outside of us, namely in the mercy of our God who sends his Son to live and die and rise again for us. Lutheran Music. Listen anytime, anywhere with the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app. Download for iPhone, Android, and Kindle at issuesetc.org. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in His ways. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We are talking with Pastor Brian Barlow, tracking his journey out of homosexuality. He is pastor of Resurrection Lutheran Church in Quartz Hill, California, and he's invested more than 20 years in ministry to those who are struggling with relational and sexual problems. Pastor Barlow, what do you make of the banning of reparative therapy for homosexuals? Oh, I am so glad you asked that question. Because like so many things that have been legitimated by plausible institutions that have distorted truth, that is one that the homosexual community has taken and distorted. And it became legitimated. It became voted into law. And many, many people who enter into this whole really disordered and traumatic conversation. They might have a child that 
they've raised in the church come home and say, hey, mom and dad, I, I really think I'm gay. They start to hear these kinds of things. And the origins of the conversion therapy, which was coined when all of the political posturing came against the church, saying that they're abusive and they're going to cause things, was actually really a very deceitful and pernicious, confusive lie, basically, because it started in some ministries that were for disadvantaged and high-risk youth that struggled with all different kinds of things. And in one particular case, there was one young boy that was in a Southern ministry that actually expressed some problems with homosexuality. And the way that they had treated that was poorly. And that became the icon of therapy and religious abuse. And they coined it conversion therapy, that there's no such thing as real conversion. What we have experienced and what I have in all the years of working with individuals who have been disoriented in their sexuality and in their understanding of themselves is that God has a plan to reorder those things have been put out of order in our lives. And he can only do that through a death and a resurrection. He gives us a new heart. He gives us a new mind. And so for the person who walks through that moment of faith and recognition and understanding, there is a healthy context for change allowing therapy. So when the reparative therapy, which the term that you had used, was thrown in the mix with conversion therapy, Dr. Nicolosi, who has since gone on to be with the Lord, he was a Jewish man who had a ministry and he worked with the National Psychological Association quite extensively. And he would stand against as the movement was taking homosexuality out of the DSM, I think it was like four, and making it not a mental illness. And he, with all the many years, now his son has taken over since his death a few years ago to promote this, was the scientific voice in opposition to the movement that was coming through culture. Well, many of the ministries that have offered counseling, a pastoral counseling approach to change allowing therapy would say that are following biblical guidelines is that they would not ever force someone who had unwanted same-sex attraction into that counseling context. That these are healthy Christian-based environments for people who have unwanted same-sex attraction. That was me. I knew in my heart of hearts that what was being told me was wrong. I didn't witness with what Scripture had said, and I needed someone who was well-educated in Scripture, uh, had a clear and pure gospel and doctrine, and understood God's plan. And so, unfortunately, there are those ministries out there that have not followed biblical guidelines, that have not had very clear gospel messages. And when the gospel gets muddy and unclear, it's not the gospel of resurrection. It doesn't take people out of the grave. 
it kind of leaves them there. Gay Christianity is one of those things. Conversion therapy, which now is so confusing to so many people in the church. They believe it's wrong, it's abusive, it's coercive, it's all those things. And while we do live in a world that can use those things for their own self-gain, to marry that with change along therapy and ministry is absolutely a deceitful delivery of misinformation. How would you respond to someone who says that we need to soften or minimize preaching and teaching of God's law about homosexuality in order to give homosexuals the gospel? I think that that is a little faithless kind of response. And I say that because the world, and, and this has happened in the, all kinds of ministry contexts when it comes to the family and it comes to whole enough counseling. You know, there's been a movement even years ago before all of this has come into the present political posture where parents, you know, were told to be quiet and not to open their mouth when their child is struggling with such things. And it's just become more and more prevalent. The message from the world is to shut your mouth. Do not open it. Do not give your thoughts, your care verbally, because it's nothing more than abusive and it's harmful. But isn't it interesting that the gospel message is the very opposite? It's open your mouth. Proclaim the good news. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So many, many Christians have just kind of bought into this, that if I say anything, I'm going to be the reason that they're going to commit suicide. I'm going to be the reason that they're going to point to that ended their life or oppressed their life. And that's a lie right from the pit of hell. No one is that powerful to interrupt God's plan for wholeness in a person's life. He is a jealous God that Elkanar fight for a covenant that he has made. And there are many, many in the church that have been baptized in the life in Christ that have a blood covenant with this holy and loving, jealous God. And that is a wonderful reality. He will chase after us. He will not give up on that. And I think when we uh, try to... Uh, minimize that uh, there is more freedom in Christ than there is bondage. There is a world that um, is going to be captivated by that. I can't tell you how many, even when I was walking in the homosexual community, friends even today, that would express to me, if there is a way that they could find a way out, they'd take it in a heartbeat. There is a whole world of people desperate to know life, because all they've experienced is death. You wanted to talk about how to stay connected without being blackmailed. What do you mean by that? Oh, I appreciate that question. You know, so many families, and I work with a lot of parents, are disheartened because they have truly endeavored to catechize their children as they have been baptized to life in Christ and really teach them the scriptures and, and really follow a really clear and pure gospel as they raise their families. Unfortunately, we live in a world today where public education will legitimize you know, gender dysphoria as young as kindergarten. 
and they will teach those young minds that there is no real truly designed form for male and female, that it's really kind of conditional and you can kind of pick and choose and kind of go through this department store of life and decide based on feelings how you are and that anybody would tell you anything differently. Even your parents would be not only unfair, but really ill-informed. And so they grow up in that kind of context with all those other influences. And when they go out of the home and they're ready to stand on their own two feet, it can be very difficult for them to discern what is, what is true and what is good and what is right. If they do then um, start to get indoctrinated and then they have life experience in their bodies, the plumbing works, their sexuality, it, w- it was meant uh, to work and they have those experiences it can convince them how they feel, their appetites should be how they live. When they bring that home, when they bring the grave into the life of Christ, it's never going to work. And so moms and dads all of a sudden have to deal with this uh, real reality of their child that they love so much or their loved one entertaining something that will take their life, that will cripple them, that will disintegrate their humanity. And so it is just natural that that kind of love, like that Elkanar jealous love of the father, will go after those covenants. And children that are growing up, that are just caught up in this as adults, will often uh, threaten and blackmail a family or a parent. If you don't agree with me, if you don't affirm this, if you don't come to my wedding, if you don't do this, you won't see me again. And that's blackmail. That's not Christian love. I know, being the father of four sons, there is nothing that would ever cause me not to love my kids. But love and agreement are not synonymous. I can love my sons and absolutely not agree with them. And when we live a life where we believe that love and agreement are synonymous, we gather when we agree and we divide when we disagree. And that happens in our churches. We gather when we agree. We love the color of our carpet and the way that everything is kind of laid out. So we're going to go there. Oh, they changed the color of carpet. I don't agree with that. Nobody asked me. I'm going to divide. I'll still start my own church and paint my own walls. And it's part of that broken, sinful nature that we have to crucify daily. And so to stay connected is to remember scripturally who they are, who they were created to be in their baptism, who they were recreated to be, and to look for opportunities to to connect and draw the truth of that out instead of affirming the sense that they get to call the shots in every level of relationship. I recently spoke with some parents and they were going to meet with their, their son and his partner. And it was a real struggle for them to meet because the son had basically laid out, here's how it's going to be. We don't talk about religion. We don't talk about politics. We don't talk about this. He basically just tried to bind their tongue 
But what I have found is that when you are in a relationship with someone you love and you allow them to talk, most of what they have determined as kind of impasses, like you don't go here, they, (laughs) being a child of God, are subject to their own infirmity. And most of the time, they make the mistake of bringing up the very subject they said they won't talk about. I believe that's the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And if we wait upon that, if we prayerfully attend to that and not allow the anxiety of the threat to rule the relationship, then we have many, many opportunities. They'll actually tell you the road to healing. They'll tell you their their laments and their wants, their fears. But that doesn't mean that we can just give in and say, okay, you can do whatever you want. Because our life and our call and our vocations in life are holy ground. The world that the LGBTQ community often lives out of is that if I want it, I deserve it, and you can't tell me I can't have it. I know that we're running out of time, but if you'll forward me, I'd like to tell you just another quick little story that illustrates how important holy ground is. And that is, I uh, spoke at the 2019 National Youth Gathering, and there, there was a sea of people all over Minneapolis. And there, there, you know, with all the t-shirts and all the backpacks, the community there, which can be a very liberal community, took notice. I think that's a wonderful, physical, visible witness of the gospel. There's a pastor that came to one of my sessions, and he asked to speak with me afterwards. And I said, sure. And he was a very articulate, uh, very confident, masculine gentleman. And he said, I want to share with you something that just happened. He was out in the community. He had taken his vehicle to the gas pump and he was filling up his gas pump. While he was at the gas pump, there was another individual young man that showed up and was filling up his gas tank. They struck up a little bit of a conversation and this man in his 30s was able to garner enough information from this pastor to know what was going on with all the kids, with all the t-shirts, what he was doing there, what church he went to really kind of innocuous. It was just one of those things that a pastor probably just naturally does in gifting and having conversations with someone. And they left the pump. By the time he got back to the National Youth Gathering, he had this individual garnered information enough to be able to get his email from his church website and send him an email. And basically, the email was soliciting him for sex. Well, it stunned him. It just absolutely unnerved him. He showed it to his wife and they both prayed about it. And so his response was, I don't know what was said that would lead you to believe otherwise, but that is not my life. And that my marriage is holy ground. The call in my life as a pastor is holy ground. And you cannot just tread irreverently on that. So please don't contact me again. I wish I could say that it stopped there, but instead he said that it just pursued. 
and he got his cell phone. He started leaving text messages and voicemails escalated so quickly that within 24 hours, they had to file a restraining order on this man. So when he asked me to speak with him, he said to me, and his face just showed just distraught, but compassion. And he said, am I the reason? Am I the reason they don't come to church? And I said to him, I said, no. And I want you to listen to me because you drew a line in the sand and you said, what God's call on your life is holy ground. My marriage, my ministry, you can't just walk irreverently. You may have been the only person, the first person in this life for that man to draw a line in the sand so you just can't take what isn't yours to take. And you have to surrender that into God's hand that he is going to use that for this man's good. Yes, it's painful. No, nobody wants any undue stress or humiliation in his life. But he is living out of an appetite. And he's living out of a value system that says, if I feel it, I deserve it. And that's simply not whole enough living, not as God intended. He intended us to care for one another, to lay our lives down for one another, to surrender and crucify our passions for the good of the other. That community is so turned in on themselves in their own sin. It's a very, very narcissistic world. And it's important that they see the difference. And you did that. And I want, and I told him, this is the last thing I want you to hear. The world says, shut your mouth. But the gospel says, open your mouth. If you buy in to what he has intended you to feel, then you will sacrifice in that agenda your pastoral giftings, your ability to have a conversation with someone out in the community to be able to share the gospel with the way that you live. And many, many pastors, I believe in America, have fallen prey to that kind of philosophy. And they've been captivated by it, and they're so afraid to say anything that they say nothing at all. We're talking with Pastor Brian Barlow about his journey out of homosexuality. What would he say to someone whose loved one has surrendered to homosexuality and may themselves be tempted to affirm it? week on the word of the Lord endures forever. We finish up the prophet Micah with what does the Lord require? Destruction of the wicked, awaiting the salvation of God. Rejoice not, O enemy, and who is a God like you? Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for the word of the Lord endures forever. Your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or on your favorite podcast provider. When Christ came to earth, he did not come as a fully formed man. Rather, he took on flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He became a lowly embryo and thereby, in this act, made every child a gracious gift of God. No asterisks, no footnotes. To learn more about the blessing of children, pick up the December issue of The Lutheran Witness. cph.org slash witness or our website witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Truth-Centered Mission Outreach. You're listening to Issues Etc. 
At Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Rockland, California, we keep the focus on Christ every Sunday with ancient liturgy, preaching from the lectionary, and celebration of the sacrament of the altar. Come be a part of the evangelical and Catholic faith as handed down to us in the Lutheran Confessions. We celebrate the divine service every Sunday at 8 o'clock and 10.30 with Sunday school for all ages at 9.15. To learn more, visit holycrossrockland.org. Memoria Press's award-winning curriculum is used by homeschoolers all over the world. Their classical Christian education materials provide everything you need for kindergarten through 12th grade, including books, guides, lesson plans, and instructional videos. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We are tracking Pastor Brian Barlow's journey out of homosexuality. In about 15 minutes, we'll have Dr. John Mark Montgomery answer the argument that biblical inerrancy isn't necessary for salvation. If you're looking for a last-minute Christmas gift for a Lutheran loved one, give them a gift card to Ad Crusum. Ad Crusum provides unique, high-quality jewelry, fine art, posters, coffee mugs, books, and more. AdCrusum.com, A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M.com. Pastor Barlow, what would you say to someone whose loved one has surrendered to homosexuality and maybe themselves tempted to go the path of affirmation? Oh, I would caution them. I would caution them. First, I would say that to believe that you're loving your family member, your child, less by disagreeing with them is not only an ungodly belief, it's just unscriptural. And that to remember that we live in that tension, whether it's the issue of a child's rebellion or disorientation, or it's her own flesh that calls out to eat a little more, shop a little more, forget our debts, not forgive the person who has offended us, that will be a part of our life until we are surrendered in the resurrection of our own flesh and made whole. So that's nothing new. And how we live in that anxious state, we can acknowledge the stress, but we don't have to own it or acquiesce to it. And that's not any less loving. In fact, it's more loving to be able to be clear, because one day that child, younger adult may return. And if you have changed, then that will be really confusing. They won't know where to go home to. And that's so absolutely important that we understand that we represent the kingdom of God and we don't get to change the foundation. We don't get to change the pillars to suit our own needs. It says that to gain this life, we'll lose it. And, you know, it's so very, very important that we understand that the battle belongs to God. When I was living in that disoriented life and I was just confused and angry and, 
and upset and, and very much turned in on myself. I remember the Holy Spirit bringing the scripture I remembered in my youth. When I was a child, I thought as a child, I reasoned as a child. And when I grew up, I put away childish ways. I remember sitting in a Bible study in Chicago, and a person came to me, and they were really courageous. They loved me. They saw some of the things that I was doing and struggling with, and they risked not being liked by bringing some of those things to light because they knew that when things were brought into the light, the devilish things in our sin would die. And it was hard for them. I probably did not. Well, I know I didn't. I didn't respond very well to them. I kind of withdrew and kind of cut them out of my life. For all those people that came to me and said, oh, you just deserve to be happy. If you would just find the right person, if you would just embrace this life of homosexuality, you'll find happiness. You'll find peace. Well, that never happened. And what happened to me when God continued to draw me out of that is something that was very much like that scripture. When I was a child, I thought as a child, because once God matured me and grew me up in that context, it was interesting. The people that offended me the most, the one that were courageous Christians that really wanted life for me, became my confidence. They're the ones I went back to for advice. They're the ones that I'm in relationship with today. They're the ones that cry with me and long suffer with me. But isn't it interesting, all those others that just wanted me to be happy, that just wanted me to feel good and belong, none of them had the wherewithal and maturity to be able to, to walk with me. And eventually, because it was too uncomfortable for them because they'd have to look at their own lives, they cut me out of their life. And any, I, I even had Christians that had struggled with the same kinds of infirmities that I and proclivities that I did at one point. When God continued to set me free, because it wasn't on their pace and they didn't feel like they were experiencing the same kind of freedom, it was too much and they, they cut me out of their life. But the wonderful thing about God is he doesn't leave them where he found them. So later they would come back to me when their life was making progress and more whole. And they'd say, you know, I'm so sorry that I cut you out of my life, but this is why I did it. Just, it was just painful to be around you. I wanted what God was doing in your life for my life. And the narrative in our culture is that just doesn't happen. And if it does happen, it doesn't last. And I can tell you, it does last. There's a Lutheran pastor from Canada that I spoke at a men's prayer breakfast several years ago. He heard my testimony. He comes up and he said, are there more people like you? This is well before seminary and, and pastoral ministry and all of the, uh, the classes to really um, firm up uh, a clear theology. But I remember saying to him, I said, well, yes. As far as I understand, such were some of you. And that was written some 2,000 years ago. So I had to believe that there were many more people like me. And there still are. But the church has to be very wise and be careful who they listen to what narrative they follow. Because if they follow a narrative that you can't change, then they're not following the, the narrative of the gospel. 
Pastor Brian Barlow is pastor of Resurrection Lutheran Church in Quartz Hill, California. He's invested more than 20 years in ministry to those who struggle with relational and sexual brokenness. Pastor Barlow, thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to visit with you, and I look forward to maybe more conversations in the future. When we come back, Dr. Job Warwick Montgomery joins us for our series, Answering Arguments Against Christianity. Today, biblical inerrancy isn't necessary for salvation. We know that you want to build your family on the right foundation from the very start. The Foundation of Jesus Christ. Concordia Publishing House offers more than 8,000 products for churches, schools, and homes. Dedicated customer service and an experienced staff to help you focus on what matters most. Click to connect at cph.org. Concordia Publishing House. Listening, responding, providing for God's people. Concordia Publishing House. cph.org. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's Life Ministry cares for pregnant women sharing the love of Christ. Listen to Pastor Ed DeWitt with Redeeming Life Outreach Ministries. One of the first residents we had said to me, Pastor, why do you do this? And I said, just stick with me through this class. And when we're done, you'll understand completely. Many of the women, as they go through the instruction, when we get to that part about baptism, they're like, Pastor, I want that for my baby. I want my baby to be adopted into God's family. God's mission here, lcms.org slash national mission. In the Advent season, we reflect on the birth of hope. Luke 2, 6 tells us, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. In the quiet moments of Advent, let's embrace the anticipation of Christ's birth. From all of us at Lutheran Church Extension Fund, may this Advent season fill your heart with hope, love, and the promise of a new beginning. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Declaring to you the whole counsel of God, you're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Calvary Lutheran, Baltimore, Maryland. Faith Lutheran, Azona, Texas. Holy Trinity Lutheran, Columbia, South Carolina. Emmanuel Lutheran, Terre Haute, Indiana. Mount Olive Lutheran, Madison, Wisconsin, Pilgrim Lutheran, Kilgore, Texas, Shepherd of the Hills Lutheran, Snohomish, Washington, St. Paul Lutheran, Austin, Texas, St. Peter Lutheran, Indianapolis, Indiana, and Village Lutheran, St. Louis, Missouri. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org Click Support, Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal.